You're listening to the soothing sounds of Young Jock to kick off this episode of Pat's Interference. Now, why, you might ask? Well, you're going to have to listen to find out. No, it's not 2006. It's actually heading into week two of the 2017 college football season. We're here to recap week one, those great games, and then we'll look forward to this week's great slate of games as well. It's going to be a good one. We had fun with this episode, and we hope you stick through listen to it. we got everything you need right here. Don't go away. You're listening to Pat's Interference. What's going on, everybody? Year 3, Episode 7 of Pat's Interference. Last episode, I said it was Episode 5. It was actually Episode 6. So this is Episode 7, our national preview for Week 2, slash our review for Week 1. You are listening to Pat's Interference. I am Patrick Norwood. I'm Patrick Brickman. I hope everyone's having a great night. Uh, Great Week 1 of college football. A lot of interesting games. A lot of of, uh, good atmospheres as well. Um... And uh, I guess we could get into it if you want. Yeah, I, I'd say we should. I, I We should give a warning if you're looking for the Alabama episode. That has already come out. The Florida State slash Fresno State episode week two. This is the national, uh, national podcast, so we will not be talking about Alabama very much, if at all, in this podcast. So, I yeah, Brick, let's just get right into it. Let's start going over the games that we discussed last week and yep. then uh, get into some games this weekend. All right, I think we want to. I think we want to begin with uh, Florida, Michigan. I'd say that was probably the. Yeah, I'd say that's the second biggest opener that was on the schedule. I'd say so. I'd say so. I think it kind of went how you and I predicted. Um, you know, Florida, obviously with the suspensions and everything, it's just it was not a complete team in my mind. Um, no, it wasn't. I was uh, a little. Thirty-three seventeen, Michigan. I think was the final. Right. I, I was a little uh, surprised to see. Florida hanging around with Michigan that long. I thought Michigan would try and put them away a little bit earlier, uh, or not try to put them away, but just struggled, I think, getting the ball down the field. Now it'll be interesting to see as Michigan goes on, was that just week one jitters and miscues like, uh, say, like Ohio State or somebody like that had, um, you know, or was it a more serious issue? You know, your quarterback this... turns the ball over as much as Michigan did. It's It's sometimes a serious issue. Sometimes it's just getting the timing right. Yeah, it was the the final score is kind of a fluky way to. I think the game was actually more lopsided than the score, other than the fact that Wilton Spate threw two pick sixes in a row in that yes. second quarter. Uh, one of them wasn't his fault; it was tipped in the air. Other one was he sailed it over a receiver's head. Um, I think those are more fluke plays. Uh, Florida's defense was better than I expected. Not great, but better. And um, uh, you know, it's just. That with the second quarter like that, the score ended up being close. But really, the main takeaway for me from this game is we're in year three now, and Jim McElwain is showing no semblance of an offense. No, you know, they, he had the new quarterback Felipe Frank, who's a four five ish star, four star. Um, he had his red shirt year. He's been hyped at Florida. He had Malik Zaire as a graduate transfer. He had a guy that started before in Luke Del Rio. He had an he had three pretty solid options, if not good options to find a way to develop and none of them have developed could not get the running game going I think they averaged like 1.7 2.2 yards per carry or something like that against a defense that lost like all but one or two starters yeah year three I mean he's a he's an offensive minded coach well and I and work with a lot of Gator fans and they've had it three three points in an opening game uh, against a team like Michigan is not is not something you want to see. Even even if it's a loss, you want to see your guys put up at least 
you know, a couple touchdowns. At least a couple. And we just, like you said, there's no semblance of an offense there. No, they didn't really get close to scoring a touchdown. I mean, a field goal you could say is close, but they didn't really even threaten at all that game. And and the offensive um, game plan of the little part bits and pieces of this game I got to watch were just very odd. Obviously, Frank started. Then Zaire came in and threw 17 passes in this game. Now they're going back to Frank's. It's just, it's not good. And, you know, we always say it, if you've got two quarterbacks, Brick, how many do you have? They've got none. None. They had none even and if they had one. They Yeah, it's not good. It's not good at all. Uh, so that's uh, that's my sort of take on, I think Florida's got a lot to sort of look back on and try and figure out what to do, how to fix it. I think Michigan also has some things that they need to look at, but a lot less um, and I, I think their stuff is kind of more geared towards when they get to conference play. Um, now, do you, you know, I'm just gonna throw this out. Do you remember who Florida's offensive coordinator is? Uh, I believe is it Nussmeyer? It's Nussmeyer. Yes. Who yeah. failed pretty badly at Michigan? He was uh, he was good at good and bad. You know, had his moments at Alabama, um, but he had a lot more talent to work with. I've been saying this. People ask me about it. You know, what, what what do you say about the Gators and their offense? Listen, they they're off this week because of the hurricane, uh, and you know, good call there in Gainesville. Sure, but, absolutely. Um, so they're off. They're going to get a, another extra week, um, as much as they're going to get here to prepare for Tennessee. I think if they lose this game to Tennessee, McWayne has to get rid of Nussmeyer and start calling the plays himself. He has uh, to. Yes. Yeah. I, I'd say that's a good call, and I think that. Uh, the Muschamp hot seat is sort of heating up, I'd say. Um, you mean McElwain, but Muschamp, <laughs> right, Muschamp so was sorry. in this yes. position. No, yeah. Um, yes, exactly. He's in a similar fashion. It's it's starting to – It's you know, he made the SEC East – he won the SEC East title two years in a row, uh, but he just kind of fell upwards into that. Yes. In my opinion. Yeah, you know, no, I was, agree. I agree completely. I agree completely. But, you know, and the SEC East is eh. – Exactly. So, yeah, it was kind of a consolation prize, but I don't think it's enough to keep him around for two more years, regardless if he's winning that division, if he's still not fielding an offense. Because that's sure. not Florida football. Sure. What was the next right? game? What was our, our next, next game? Our next game was, um, we're going to go ahead and we'll do uh, LSU-BYU. Uh, yeah, I, I think, you know, it's the same LSU we've been seeing for years and years and years now. Well, raise your that- hand if you were right about this game. My hand's uh, down. You were right. I Yes, I, I Remember, was. I said it was going to be close, and it wasn't. Uh, yeah, no, it was not. It was not. It's all a very dominant defense and a, you know, run-first offense that, uh, you know, would pass when they needed to, and that was the only time they passed. But I think it'll be interesting to see when teams start making LSU, start forcing LSU uh, to pass the ball, um, you know, wh- what that's going to look like this season. Um, you know, obviously the running game is stacked again for what oh, the umpteenth year in a row. Um, yeah. you know, BYU, I, I don't know. I, I don't think that they're going to threat, uh, this year kind of like they did last year, even though they didn't really threat last year, um, or threaten, I should say. But I, I think that, uh, LSU is, is in for another year. Uh, similar to last year, maybe a little bit of an improvement, but it really, you know, we won't know anything until people start making Coach Orgeron pass the ball. Right. Uh, Geis had 122 yards on 27 carries, two touchdowns. Uh, LSU won this game 27 nothing. by the way. Danny Etling threw 17 passes, 171 yards, uh, completed 14 of them. 
So he just kind of, you know, is a former Alabama term, managed the game. Sure. Um, but yeah, no, I, I said this game was going to be closer than most people thought, and I, I'm pretty sure LSU covered whatever spread was supposed to be there for them. Uh, yes, I believe so. I believe this spread was, uh, I want to say 14. I don't remember. So I'll go, I'll say marginally impressed by LSU. They should yeah. beat teams like that the yes. way they did. I didn't expect them to, but if they did that and I said they wouldn't, I have to be a little bit impressed. Yeah, no, I, I thought I thought it was about par for the course on what we could expect with LSU this season. Well, you're high on them, and I was, well. I am. They might have to show me. You know, I'm, I, I liked what I saw. I watched a good bit of that game, just kind of in and around certain places. Our next game was uh, West Virginia, Virginia Tech, which I believe Virginia Tech won late. Uh, yeah, it was it was a back and forth game. It's it's funny. Two of my really good friends. One of them is a uh, is an undergrad, played in drumline at Virginia Tech. So go Hokies there. And then uh, my other good friend uh, went to grad school at West Virginia. So go Mountaineers. And they were both you know chirping back and forth the weeks coming up to this. This was a huge rivalry. Um, which I had uh, no idea. A while ago, yes. Yeah, I didn't either until they started chirping back and forth, and I was like, where did this come from? Um, interesting to see. gobbling back and forth. Nice work. Interesting to see <laughs> uh, Will Greer come back out. Um, he was a stud, man. Looked a little lost in his first few passes. I mean, well, he looked, got on. He shaking, got on. Shaking the rust off. Yeah, no, he, t- he turned it on. You know, he's got uh, just, may I say, just a beautiful wife and child, by the way. Um Good on you, Will Greer, for getting that chapter of your life taken <laughs> care of. But I, I think that uh, I think that you know West Virginia was it was kind of a back and forth game. Neither team really wanted to play offense. Then neither team really wanted to play defense. Um, you know, and then right when it looked like Virginia Tech kind of had it in hand, West Virginia started driving the ball and driving the ball and driving the ball and driving the ball. And it looked like they're about to force overtime. And then just one too many uh, bad reads kind of cost Will Greer and the Mountaineers there. But I was impressed with the game. I thought it was a really well-played game. Unfortunately, it was uh, overshadowed that night by a game we'll get into later, Texas A&M and UCLA. Um, But I think that uh, Virginia Tech's freshman quarterback, uh, Jackson, I believe is his last name, um, is going to be a heck of a player. Um, Oh, yeah, I came away very impressed with, with, with his arm. Yes, I, he's still got some things to work through. I think I think sometimes his decision-making ability uh, kind of reminds me of Jalen Hurts, just gets out of the pocket a little bit too early. Um, you know, they ran the read option a lot. He didn't do a great job. He kept the ball. I think every time he kept the ball, um, his minimum yardage was like eight or nine yards or something ridiculous. Um, so, I, you know, I, I think it's stuff like that that once he figures out if that team can get going, you know, look – Clemson's hey, a great team this year. Yards rushing. Clemson's a great team this year. Uh, watch what happens when both those teams are undefeated and Clemson goes to Blackburg, Blacksburg. I'm I'm That's, not yeah, saying I'll it's going to happen. On X, upset alert. I, I I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm just saying it could be an interesting game. That's all I'm saying. Not saying. I'm just saying. All right. Well, let's go to the uh, what happened. What ended up is the most interesting game probably of the entire weekend. The other game that happened that night. Um, I was driving back from Atlanta uh, when this game went on, and I had to text you. I couldn't believe what I saw. It was baffling. We're talking, obviously, Texas A&M-UCLA, which UCLA won 45-44, but I stopped paying attention. It was genuinely 44-10 to when I went, A&M's got this wrapped up. They're doing it again. Well, it was, you know, it was, I think it was 10 nothing 
then 10-7, then 14-10, then 21. I mean, it just it gradually rose and rose and rose and rose and rose. And all of a sudden, you looked up, and I mean, Texas A&M was taking them to the woodshed. UCLA had nothing going. And all of a sudden, Rosen steps up, makes a big play, makes a couple of key passes. Uh, you know, a couple of Texas A&M miscues on defense lead to, you know, another score. Um, quick three and out, gets a tired defense back on the field. That leads to another score. And you look up, and all of a sudden, UCLA's down seven. Well, we're and looking at – we're looking at – it was 44-10 to 10 after a Texas A&M field goal with 4.08 in the third quarter. Third quarter. There were 19 minutes left in this game. Yes. 44-10. to 10. And, and then it and just goes – Touchdown, 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 touchdown. Every essentially three to five minutes on the dot. Yes. Yeah. Holy no, it cow. was there was no defense. There was no defense to be played in that game. Period. Um, so if it, I, I don't know how Kevin Sullivan still has his job. Genuinely. I, I thought he was gonna get the Lane Kiffin fired on the tarmac, dude. I did too. I did too. Um I I don't know how he still has his job. I, I think that it's a poor choice by Texas A and M that he still has it. Um, you know, I understand that you don't want to fire a guy in the middle of the season, but I think you're just kind of delaying the inevitable here and you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot uh, if you keep this going. I guess it's hard to get rid of a guy after one game. I really do. It, it'd be a tough call. Does he make it to the end of the season? Do they give him to the end of the season? Do you think just with what's left on their schedule? Heck, I, it would it would take a, a huge loss for them to get rid of him now, I think. I think if they didn't, if Texas A&M was not willing to get rid of Kevin Sumlin after a 34-point blown lead, I don't know of a situation in which they'll get rid of him. Unless it's their homecoming and they're playing, you know, North Texas and they lose by 20. I don't see a situation in which Kevin Sumlin is, is let go until the season is over. I think that once the season is over, it's it's that's ballgame. Um, no matter what happens, unless they come back and win the SEC West. Hey, it's it's one game. I I guess their good rule of thumb is you can't judge everything on week one, but that's not a it's not a good look for the I feel SEC. Feel like that's a Texas different State situation though. I feel yeah, like that's feels, a little bit. I mean, of a that's different that's situation. a that's a collapse for the ages. Yes, twenty eight points given up in the fourth quarter, thirty five points in the final nineteen minutes of the game. That's that's not good. Another great game. Um, another you know, close, exciting, whatever you want to call it, game that won in the SEC's favor. Maybe not in your favor, our favor, but especially your favor, was mm. on Monday. Mm. Uh, the other game in the new Mercedes-Benz Stadium, mm. Tennessee versus Georgia Tech, mm-hmm. went to double overtime mm-hmm. with uh, Tennessee pull it, coming out with a victory. Yeah, I went to – I actually had to get up really early to do a shoot um, the next morning. So I went to bed right when the fourth quarter was starting. And I said, you know what, I'll just – I'll catch the highlights in the morning – Georgia Tech's been running the ball like just oh, was, all over Tennessee. It was defense. unfair. Forty-two, forty-one was the final, but it uh, there was a point where I thought Tennessee. There, it was a typical early season Tennessee game where I thought there were three different moments in that game where oh they're done, they, that can't have happened. But then Georgia Tech would fumble a ball. They get just kept kind of handing over momentum on a silver platter. Yes. Tennessee would give up a touchdown and go, okay, that's it. And then, oh, no, Georgia Tech just fumbled after another Tennessee. You know, it's just. Yeah. No, I, I couldn't believe it when I looked down and saw the final score. And also, you know, yeah, double overtime. I know you overtime, won't go to that score the, the next morning. 
going, you know, going for going for two at the end of the game. At first, I was like, "That's moronic." It was the right call. It, from what everyone has told me, it was the right call. It was the right call. The defense has been uh, apparently gassed the entire Both game. Both defenses were gassed. Both teams would have kept scoring touchdowns forever. That yes. was his moment. He, you either do it there or in the fourth overtime uh, when it switches because they were going second. Which yes. actually third overtime they would have switched to two point convert. But they, they were they were getting eight yards a pop for the entire last three quarters of the game. Even when Tennessee was coming back, they were still killing them. They just kept fumbling. Right. That was the right call. Tennessee was just jazzed up. They knew it was do or die, and they dude. <laughs> yeah. They dude. Well done. Uh, thanks. I you know, they dude. Um. Twelve well, seven a.m. Your time. I will. Happy tell Saturday, you. Brick. I will tell you that even though Georgia Tech lost that game. And it was a freak kind of loss that they just let slip away to a team that is more talented. I fell in love with that Georgia Tech team. I don't know you why. Did. I loved, I, I loved watching them. It was great. And I am in love with Taquan Marshall, the quarterback. Sure. My, he just, he threw nine passes, completed five, 120 yards. 44 carries, 249 yards, five touchdowns. Not bad. That, no, that's a Derrick Henry 2015 stat line. It's, it's ridiculous. It really is. And like they I said, I went to bed. No Brick, answer. I thought they had it locked up. I went to bed. Oh, my gosh. And just what, you know, he when, when he needed to just pop him in the mouth, he'd pop him in the mouth. When he needed to beat him with speed and finesse, he'd make a movie, get 13 more yards. It right. was crazy, and yes. I said it. I said it, and I stand by it. Jalen Hurts would win the damn Heisman if he was at Georgia Tech. Hot takes. He is the perfect Georgia Tech quarterback because you got Jalen Hurts throwing the ball nine times. You're probably doing pretty good. He could right. handle 44 carries a game almost. I feel like. Right. I don't know. I just I you know I hate that Georgia Tech lost that. I would have loved to see them win that. You know they they definitely fought their tail off and deserved that win. But in a game that comes down to one play, sure, it just happens. Sure, sure. Yeah, I, it was it was a very interesting game. Um, I think Tennessee's in for another rough year. If I'm being honest, yeah. Just no, this year will be that that run defense is just uh, bad, just terrible. Uh, you know, anytime Georgia Tech got into the second, you know, second line of defense, it was like an automatic 10 yards. Tennessee has to learn how to tackle before they start playing these teams that really, really know how to run the football and throw the football because triple option is great until you got to throw the ball till it's third and seven, third and eight. Then what I'm still feeling another four or five last season for Tennessee this year. I don't know if that's going to be good enough to keep Butch. Uh, I'll give them the compliment that you won't. And I know you didn't watch, but you wouldn't give them if you see it, saw it anyway, they did get to see some, they got to see who their new playmakers are going to be. You know, they lost essentially everybody on that offense that made plays last year. But that uh, that that Quote John Kelly made running back, plays. sorry, Marquez Callaway. You know, they both came up with huge plays in that game, and you know, 
Tennessee fans probably hate their defense, but at least they're going, hey, you know, we found our future on offense. I don't know sure. if that's going to equal 10 wins this year or next year, but. Sure. Know, whatever. They could be problems for teams in the SEC at some point. I'll let you believe that. I mean, Tennessee had players that were problems for other teams, just not Alabama. Look, I, I'm just not. <laughs> I'm just not. I'm just sick of it. Whatever. I know you are. I sure, know you are. they'll be good again. Uh, I'll give it. I'll, I'll give it to y'all. Whatever you want to hear. I didn't say they're going to be good. No, I know. Not you. I'm not offense. saying you. It's just the SEC network and, and and just. I feel like you're arguing with your Facebook friends right now. <laughs> Yeah, a little bit. Just, <laughs> I feel like you're taking sure. out some things that you didn't get sure. to say on Facebook after that game. You, you guys, go ahead and think you're going to make the SEC East Championship. Just, sure. Well, right, who's well, going to beat us? Georgia? Not Georgia. Well, it's not going to be Florida. Look what they did against Michigan. Okay, okay. actually, I, I, I hear the arguments right now as you're saying them. Yeah, um, okay. We'll get away sure. from Tennessee because it's been a long week for both of us. and Thank God. I don't want to listen to you talk about them anymore, quite frankly. But I mentioned Thanks. Taquan Marshall. What's one guy last week that uh that you know kind of kind of wasn't on your radar and is now? Right. Well, we mentioned. I mean, we mentioned his name and we mentioned the comeback. Uh, Josh Rosen is my guy. Uh, yeah, good one. You know, thirty-five for fifty-nine, four hundred and ninety-one passing yards, completion percentage of fifty-nine, about fifty-nine and a half, fifty-nine and a third, uh, eight yards per attempt, four touchdowns, no picks, sacked three times. But uh, that's a whale of a comeback. The fake spike pass, too, was put on the money, and that's a complicated pe- play to run. Um, you know, if you haven't seen it, you need to look it up. Shades it of was, Dan Marino. Yes, exactly. It was beautifully done. Beautifully done. Um, but, uh, yeah, my guy from last week is Josh Rosen. Um, and I know if you're an Alabama fan, you're probably losing your mind right now. Just go look at the actual quote. Before you get all angry, go look at what he actually said instead of just what the headline says because it, it really wasn't that bad. But, yeah, my guy from last week was Josh Rosen. That's a good one. That's a good call. Um, you know, I guess I've been kind of vocal at him not being my favorite guy, but the dude can play when he's on. I mean, he, as a freshman, he was great. He took a step back last year and then got hurt, and this is a great uh, coming-out party for him. And Sure. You know, they – Maybe it's just the nickname, the Rosen one, that he got before he ever took a snap. He's he's a Pac-12 quarterback. Yeah, you know. That's all it is. He's a Pac-12 quarterback. There's a ton of hype, and a lot of it's really unnecessary, but he does make good plays when need be. He's just that California quarterback that I've, you yeah. know, that the, I've never been a huge fan of that, that stereotype of quarterback, and he might not be, whatever. Um, I'll tell you, though, that he he's starting. You want to know something fun that we didn't mention in the Alabama podcast, but I'm going to throw out there just talking about California quarterbacks. None of the guys at Alabama that transferred last year, two of which very verbally transferred, um, are starting. None of the three. I thought Cordwell was supposed to start at Nevada. Apparently he didn't. None of them started. None. But it's Nick Saban's fault. Yes. Not because they're not good at football. (laughs) Morons. God bless it. Moronic. All right, are are we good with week one? Yeah, we can we can uh we can wrap it up, put a bow on it, and give it to our family at Christmas. Now let's 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 give our let's give our family a New Year's gift. Give them, give them a little week two action. 
Brick, a lot of games on the docket. We got Auburn, Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma, uh, Georgia, and Notre Dame. There's one more I'm leaving off. Uh, I think a sneaky good one could be TCU, Arkansas. That was a very good game last year. And then the game that you and I are most interested in. Um, kudos to us Eastern Coasters uh, for being so interested in this. Stanford, mm. USC. Hmm. How about that? Let's go ahead and get into that game, Brick. Let's uh, do it. So we, I love how we both insult the state of California, and then we're like, "Oh, look at us, East Coasters." Um, no, it's just that you know that trope that no, I know, that I know he, that mean. West Coast never gets any attention because they yes. come on so late, and nobody wins the Heisman except Mariota. He did two years ago. So let's 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 put a lid on it. Or Reggie Bush or ago, OJ Simpson or the nineteen other quarterbacks and skill position players who've won it from right, California. but because Derrick Henry won a Heisman, nobody cares about the West Coast. No, right. Exactly. Okay, no, we've beaten this dead horse enough. Yeah. Okay. okay. We we are in. We are. We. I, I want to clarify. We are interested, very much so that I'm going to stay up and watch it. Stanford USC. Yes, I I'm interested to see if if USC is everything or if Stanford's everything I think they are. Um, you know, they came out and obviously had the big game against Rice. Uh, they've got the big game next week. Um, you know, they're my playoff team from the Pac-12. I'm starting to wonder if that's really a good idea as the weeks kind of grow. But uh, I think this is a good barometer and a good test for them to see where they are. And as I looked at their schedule, you know, it's not a walk in the park, but it's a lot easier after this game. And, I, Brick, I think if Stanford gets through this game and gets through the Pac-12 championship, uh, they're, they're a good contender, uh, good contender for the playoff picture. I've always liked what Stanford does, but it always has felt like a great formula for almost making the playoff every year. Yeah. They always are just, ah, ah. Um, But on the other hand, I will say this, USC did not look great last week. No. You know, they came out, who did they play? They played, um... Uh, Western, Western Michigan. Michigan. Western Michigan. They won at 49-31, but, you know, the golden boy of college football, uh, Sam Darnold, no touchdowns, um, two picks. Didn't they, look great. It, a lot, it was, a lot it of kinks to work out. A lot of kinks to work out. Uninspiring performance. Now, I will say week one, whatever, you can't judge too much, but it was a slow start, and uh, they got a good team coming a week two like Stanford. Who's, Stanford didn't start slow. They did not. They did not. not. You know, I think it was. Per- it added a lot of intrigue to this game that wasn't there. I think that Stanford could have one of those years where it start out really hot and then it kind of fizzles out towards the end of the year. Unfortunately, I could see that, you know, happening when they play somebody like you know Arizona or Oregon or somebody like that uh, once they get to Pac-12 play and just sort of go from there. But um, you know, I think they definitely have the momentum going into this game uh, now. As far, like I said, as far as a playoff picture, I'm just not sure. I'm just not sure if I'm really feeling my pick right now. But I think, I mean, obviously this is a big week for both of us. Uh, so we'll just have to wait and see. Um, well, I guess if we're giving predictions, because we're clearly college football experts and masterminds. Sure. Um, I'm going to go, I'm picking USC, obviously, because they're one of my playoff teams. I'll stick through them, and you know I'll give them I'll give them a thirty-five, a thirty-five, twenty-four kind of win. Okay, yeah, it's the Pac-12. I'm gonna go forty-five, thirty-eight, Stanford. Okay, 
There we go. Well, this one will be fun to come back to next week. Another game on there that I think could be a very good one of last year's better games. Probably top top 10 game as far as maybe not what it meant overall, but just the way the game played out was TCU-Arkansas. Right. I want to say Arkansas won that. Arkansas won it late, right? Uh, oh, man. I believe I'm so. I'm looking back at it. But I think Arkansas was able to. It was an overtime win. Yeah, yeah. It was an overtime, um, right? Am I misremembering? Ooh, no, I, okay, I'm just I'm looking it up right now so I know. Arkansas, yes, 41-38 overtime and a great game. Right. Right, yeah. Yeah, you're right, you're right, because that was week two. And it, was um, played in, it was played in Fort Worth. Yes. And, uh, all right, well, I'm looking forward to this one. Um, this one will be uh, a CBS game at, at, at 2.30, 3.30 Eastern. And um, yeah, I'll probably flip through it a couple times as I'm watching the Alabama game. I think I think this will be a good game uh, to watch and kind of see and judge where Arkansas lines up uh, in the SEC uh, this season. You know, you've, you've, you're looking at the West. Your West contenders right now are obviously LSU, Alabama, and Auburn, period. Texas A&M has clearly shown that they don't want it. Uh, and it's, it's time for somebody else in the West to step up and, you know, maybe shock a, a couple teams. Maybe they beat LSU late. Uh, late in the season, um, I remember a couple of years ago when they did that, that, did that. Maybe they'll give Alabama some headaches, you know. Maybe even trip up Auburn. But um, you know, I, I think they've got a very, very interesting task ahead of them as far as you know, um, sort of wrangling in this TCU offense that's always explosive, always explosive. Um, so it'll be. We know they can play offense. We know they've got quarterbacks. Are but they still th- led by the Kenny Trill? <laughs> I believe so. I believe so. And I saw Kenny Trill throw a block last week, and it's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. If you get a chance, I want to, Yeah. So, so you saw him last. Yeah. He's yeah. Okay. Still led by uh, Kenny Trill. Yes. Uh, formerly uh, a, a former September Heisman winner. Yes. So I think I think that uh, it'll it'll be interesting to see which defense steps up. That's what this game's going to come down to. I'm going to give the edge to TCU. I'm going to say TCU wins this one, 31-20. I've got TCU winning too. Um, uh, I I like I like TCU's team. I don't know why. I actually, you know, I like them even the years that they're down a little bit. I always kind of feel like they're underrated. Um, sure. They're always fast. They're always disciplined on defense. Sure. Um, and they just always seem to win games, even though they lost this one. They always seem to win games that kind of strike me as odd. So yeah. I have them winning this revenge game. I don't really have a lot of rhyme or reason behind it. It's just more of a gut feeling. And um, I, and. Uh, my cousin is actually a freshman at TCU. So is that right? It, it, it well, yeah. My go. aunt and godmother is a TCU grad. There so you there go. We go. They're go in Arkansas, but frogs. I'm still taking TCU. Sure, sure. No, Take I like on. I like TCU in this one. I, like I said, I I, I think it's going to be you know kind of up there in the in the thirty thirty one twenty range. All right. Well, uh, I th- I think we both agree on that one. We'll move on to let's do Georgia Notre Dame. Um. Uh. Notre Dame led by the Brandon Wimbush, 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 and Georgia led by not Jacob Eason, but the Jake from State Farm. Sure. <laughs> uh, Jacob Eason. Sp- Hold I think on. It was a no, knee don't blow past that. You just come on. You can't. <laughs> Hold on. I have not um, heard that in a long time. If yeah, ever. I'm getting. I'm getting to him. So Eason, the 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 blue chipper. Uh, 
hurts his knee early in that game. Jake Fromm, State Farm, a former <laughs> Alabama commit that ended up getting replaced by none other than Tua Tungabailoa. Sure, two of the um, tank, the Hawaiian punch, touchdown the Tua. The Hawaiian punch was who we decided to replace. Jake Fromm was the initial, he was going to be the quarterback of the class last sure. year at Alabama. Copper Batman. He's a, he's, a, he's a pretty boy. I hate to say it, but he's got a, he's got a dashing smile. Sure. Um, I hope he listens to this podcast because that's a compliment. You know he does. And, uh, and uh, no, so he came in and he played he played pretty admirably um, for Eason against App State, who is, I feel like they're not, you know, App State's not good, right? We like right. to say they're a little better than they are because they beat Michigan in 2008. But he was fine, you know, 143 yards, touchdown, 10 of 15. Um, how are you feeling about this game? I, I think it really just sort of depends on uh, the legs of the chub. Yeah. You know? How, I think how the chub's going to be pumping. How long can the chub go? <laughs> I think the chub's got all the stamina it needs in this one. Yeah, I do too. I do too. But no, in all seriousness, I think if, if Georgia can establish a run game against a Notre Dame defense that last year, let's face it, was lacking against the run and especially against the pass, I don't think uh, Jake from State Farm, as you call him, uh, is really going to be an X factor in this game. I really think it's going to be Georgia's uh, Georgia's offensive line and then Georgia's front seven. Um, you know, uh, Notre Dame's offense was inept last season, and you know maybe they've sort of rectified some of those issues. But I, you know, I don't know. I didn't really see it last week. Um, you know, I think this is a a good week to kind of decide what team they're going to be and whether it's going to be another four and eight season or if it's going to be you know eight, eight and four you know, nine and three, what it's going to sort of look like depending on how they play in this game. I don't know that Notre Dame is going to, you know, bounce back fully this year. I expected a little bit of a bounce back this year from Notre Dame, uh, just because four and eight, I feel like that record in the end was kind of an anomaly. They had a lot of, they had a lot of injuries. And at the same time, I think they lost seven games last year by seven points or less. Yeah. Something, something's got to give in Notre Dame, but I don't think they're going to come back and be a 10 win team. Um, no, I don't either. The experts have Notre Dame. They've got them at a 54% chance to win, which shows how close this is. I'm actually going Georgia. I am also Georgia's, going Georgia. I don't care that they're starting a true freshman, a quarterback, because I just feel like the two-headed monster of Nick Chubb and Sony Michelle are going to wear down that Notre Dame defense. How many years has Sony Michelle been at Georgia? Oh, him and Nick Chubb have been there forever. Nine. Ten. I mean, they've got to be on their their eighth year. Their eighth year seniors. <laughs> well, they have to be. I mean, I feel like they've just been there forever. It's like when Jeremy Hill was at uh was at LSU. Yeah. Like every single time, every single year we play, I was like, come on, this guy, just leave already. <laughs> but <laughs> that's kind of how I feel. And I, you know, I think this is a big year for Chubb and Michelle to kind of, you know raise their draft stock a little bit and this could be a game where they look to do that uh i'm gonna right. go ahead remember, going... chubb, chubb was slept on man remember he got hurt he was the running i mean he was this he was he was the guy the 2015 saquon barkley yeah Ooh. and then or 2016 and then he hurt himself okay it was 2015 saquon barkley he was the he was the golden boy running back yes. got hurt yes and then uh you know everybody's attention shifted to henry and Fournette. i love i love still love the way he runs the ball yeah, no, very shifty in the backfield, and then great acceleration through the holes, really hits the holes hard, and then down around the goal line, he's a beast. He's yeah, an he's, absolute he's monster. a punisher at the same time. Yeah, yeah, I, I think uh, I'm, I'm going to go Georgia 28-24 on this one. 
I'm going. I'm going. I'm going to give them the same amount of points, but I'm going Georgia 28, Notre Dame 14. I, I don't see this one being as close. I mean, I think okay. they pull away late, but I think it's a two-touchdown win. Okay. I like it. I like it. And last but not least, correct, we've gone through three. No, we got two more. We got two, two more. more. Two um, more. Should we go Auburn-Clemson first, or should we go Oklahoma-Ohio State? I want to I want to save uh, Oklahoma-Ohio State for last, so let's go ahead and get through Auburn and Clemson. Auburn-Clemson. All right. Uh, um. I, Go ahead. I think you, you take it first. Sure. I think, uh, you know, all the hype that's been surrounded around Stedham, all the hype, this is his game to prove it. In my opinion, to me, this is his game to prove I am the guy that everybody says I am. I can lead Auburn to a really, really good 10, 11 win season. This is the game for him to do that and say that and get it over with. Uh, you know, show up in the big games. That's something that Auburn quarterbacks who have been great, Nick Marshall, Cam Newton, obviously, um, Jason Campbell used to do it. Auburn quarterbacks traditionally, if they are going to be good in big games, they show up period. That's it. There's not a lot of big games where an Auburn quarterback doesn't show up and they win. Um, so I, I, I'm looking for Stidham to step up. If Stidham can step up, they could give this Clemson team some problems. However, I think Clemson's defense is just a little bit too experienced, and uh, and and I think they they I mean they don't want to mess up. They don't want to give anything up. So I I think that uh, I've got Clemson here. I've got Clemson, but I'm only gonna I'm only gonna give it to them by three. I'm gonna go 24-21 Clemson in this game. I'm surprised. Yeah, you know, and and I'm surprised, but I'm not surprised because I do think that uh. You know, both teams inspired confidence with their week one openers. Uh, Clemson did exactly what Clemson should do against Kent State, and Auburn beat up on Georgia Southern, and, you know, Stidham didn't look bad doing it. He didn't make any major errors. Nothing bad really happened. I think he had a tipped interception, but nothing nothing crazy, and the, and the running backs looked great. Yeah. Um, the only problem is Auburn is still a run-first team. I don't care who they have at quarterback. This is still going to be a run-first Auburn. I don't like... Auburn running at those two dudes that uh that Clemson has a defensive tackle. Right? Yeah. Lawrence and Lawrence and um oh, what's the other guy's name? They've got two all Americans down there. Um it regardless. Regardless. Clemson might have the best run defense in the country. They're up there. Yes. Um and they're in Clemson. I'm just kind of going through these things in my mind because I haven't really formed a, a, a final score here. But they're in Clemson. Um, if it was the other way around, I'd think of it maybe a little bit differently. I don't trust Auburn yet um, during a time with adversity. I don't know that I trusted him yet with adversity. I trust the Clemson team through adversity. Right? They got a new quarterback with Kelly. Uh, but I wasn't super unimpressed. You know, Kelly Bryant was – it's not Kelly last name. It's Kelly Bryant. Um, he was he was okay. You know, I like I, I I trust Dabo's coached him up. I'm rambling, I know, so I'm just gonna get to my score prediction. Or I'm I'm picking Clemson. I'm picking Clemson by about 13. I don't have a score, but I'll I'll give it. I'll call it like a a a 33-20 kind of game. Okay. I don't know how they end up with 33. How that does mathematically, but I've got a 13 point win for Clemson. Um due to the fact that Auburn's going to be running into maybe the best run defense in the country, one of the top three for sure, in my mind. And I just, you know, I don't trust Auburn through adversity yet. Right. Right. I agree with you. 
I agree with you there. Uh, last but not least, Oklahoma and Ohio State. This game, a doozy. A doozy yeah. on the docket for us this weekend, Brick. You've got JT Barrett versus Baker Mayfield. You've got, uh, you know, just high-octane offenses on both sides. Defenses that are looking to prove themselves and prove their worth. Um, Ohio State kind of came out slow against uh, Indiana. However, they were able to pick it up towards the end, and they've had two extra days of rest and uh, scouting on Ohio State. Or, on excuse me, on oh, Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Uh, Oklahoma coming in with a new coach. You and I got an argument with it two weeks ago. I don't think they're going to be as good this year as everybody says they are. I think they're very overrated. Uh, you know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they come out and they, they whoop up on Ohio State this weekend. I just don't see it. I'm taking Ohio State here. I'm going to take them by 10, and I'm going to go. Uh, I'm going to go. I think it's going to be a pretty high-scoring game, so I'm going to go 45-35. Hmm. All right, so you gave them by 10. I'm going to shock you, but I'm actually taking Ohio State by a bit more points than that. Really? Um, Oklahoma looked great in their opener. They didn't play anybody, but they looked great. Baker was great, 19-20 at halftime and 300-something yards at halftime and whatever. Um, and he's been an efficient passer. I just – I don't know. I just don't – I guess I'm remembering last year's game too fondly. I do think Ohio State's a little worse than they were at this point last year. I think Oklahoma's a little better than they were at this point last year. I just don't know that the bridge has been closed enough for Oklahoma to overcome this game now on the road, in the horseshoe. Um, I love the way Ohio State ended their opener. They ended it with an exclamation point. All right, Yeah, they had a slow start, but I root for a team that gets off to a slow start nine out of ten, every ten games. Um, you know, I'm taking, I'm, I'm taking Ohio State by about 17. Wow. You know, I'm taking them by 17. I think... I, so what's now, your X a, factor in this game? Is it Ohio State's defense or Ohio State's offense? Yeah, I should, no. Well, no, I'm going coaching. You know, I, I didn't I didn't mm. completely hate the idea that Lincoln Riley's taking over at Oklahoma, but I don't know that he's ready to out coach Urban Meyer yet. No. Now I like Lincoln Riley as a coach. And I like him as a football mind. And I like what he's been able to do with offenses at different stops in his career. But I'm not going to go out there and say, hey, in his first ever big game at head coach, he's going to go out and out coach Urban Meyer. I just think that's what it comes down to. It's a, it's just a tall order to ask this Oklahoma team with a new coach to go in and beat Ohio State. Sure. Which Ohio State does not lose at home often. No. They're just a very good home team. The way, same way that Oklahoma used to be the best home team in college football in the late right. 2000s. You right. know, Oklahoma won 50-something games there. Ohio State, they're just hard to beat at home. Yes. And so I, I I just feel kind of a 17-point kind of, oh, okay, well, yeah, Ohio State's good again kind of yeah. win. Just piling it on. Yeah, no, I, I yeah, okay, definitely see that. Now, it all it, for me, it all rests on the shoulders of JT Barrett. Can he get going? Can he make those passes that he wasn't making in the Indiana game? Can that offense finally find a rhythm when it's not too late? Because let me tell you, if they find a rhythm as late as they did against Indiana, it may be too late. Yeah, they might, they might already be down three touchdowns. So, uh, you know, I think I think getting going early, whoever is going to win this game needs to get going early and get up a couple scores early. All right, well, um, I think those are most of the interesting games. There's some other kind of not as consequential games where if they end up being close or something, we might talk. Like, we might visit Louisville, North Carolina next week, depending on what happens. But I don't think we're going to talk about it this week. We got Nebraska, Oregon, 
eh, not really. You, I'm just kind of going down the list to make sure I'm not now. forgetting Hold anything. Hold on now. You're forgetting a big old game. Uh-oh. What game? Come on. Really? You don't know this one? <laughs> what? Who's Rice playing? Brick. Rice is taking on UTEP in the Sun Bowl in El Paso, my friend. All right? Look. You, you, had, you had the Stanford loss, and you got through it, like I said. You got through it. You had to figure out who your offense is, who your quarterback is. You got through all that or that garbage, all right? Let's not fool ourselves. We're not beating Stanford, all right? It, it, it's just not going to happen. Now we got UTEP in our sights, though, all right? It's an 8 p.m. kickoff in the Sun Bowl. Maybe it's a little cool. You know, you, you, you're, getting that, you're getting that cool fall air. It's finally starting to set in. UTEP's thinking, we got this. We're coming out. We're on fire. I love when you stretch these things. I nope. love when you stretch these predictions. What are you What are you talking about? You start going into maybe it's a little cool. Yeah, <laughs> no, it it's every time. I'm just saying it's it's an just 8 p.m. Saying, kickoff. No, no, no. I, I understand. I Look, understand. hey, this is a great CUSA game. Okay, that's what it is. I'm sorry, but that's what it is. UTEP taking one off the chin against Oklahoma last week. All right, they've seen Baker Mayfield. They're tired. Worn down. Coach, coaches, coach is already ready for next season. You know, offensive linemen, their knees are sore. Defensive line at Oklahoma is real good. Real good, coach. Not sure if we're going to make it. They scored eight times more points than we did. I'm taking Rice 205, UTEP 7. You could sell salt to a sailor, man. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. You're I'm passionate about my owls. The most important game of the week. You know FAU is going to march into Wisconsin and get out with the victory. You know they lost to Navy, right? They understand. They're angry. It was tough. I did see a tweet during that game. FAU was like just just cramming it down Navy's throat at one point, and someone someone tweeted, "Should we be concerned that the people guarding our seas are giving up this many yards to a team that's named after an ocean they're supposed to protect?" (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. I thought it was brilliant. I thought it was brilliant. But I yeah, just no, remembered that's a big I never mentioned that tweet that, that, that just tickled me so much. Can I mention this tweet now? Is it not too old? No, I think you're fine. It's, it's our last podcast. Thursday, last Thursday, I'm at a high school football game, and I'm just filming, and I'm looking on Twitter during one of the timeouts, and I notice a tweet from Lane Kiffin, and he's got his arm oh around a rapper God. that I feel this like I recognized. This was great. And it's something along the lines of, I'd like to thank young jock for coming to FAU to play and pump our boys up. Yeah, did you also <laughs> see him tweet Go Vols at somebody? No, I did not see that. Like, I forgot what it was. It was like horrible news for Tennessee, and he just tweeted Go Vols with like four exclamation points. Young jock, it's going down. You know, remember that one? Mm-hmm. What year was that? 2006. That was such a 2006 song. Yeah, you know think- what I'm going to do? Since I'm editing this thing, we're opening with a young I jock beat. I, I love it. I can't wait. I don't know which one yet, but we're. Oh, I don't care if it sounds make bad it, at the beginning. If you get this far in the podcast, this is why you heard Young Jock to open I, the show. No, make it the most obscure Young Jock song. You mean Jaziel Amon Robinson? <laughs> Better known as by his stage name as Young Jock. He's an American hip-hop recording artist from Atlanta. He is best known for hit singles. It's going down, and I know you see it. I'm just reading his Wikipedia page. Born April 2nd, 19... No, that tweet from Lane Kiffin with his arm around young jock. 
You know, I had a, I had a, I had a, an Obi Wan moment. That's a name I haven't heard in no, a long time. That's a name time. I haven't heard in a long time. We've really got to start queuing stuff like that up on the podcast and just hit we play do, on man. It. We say that all the time. No, that's a name I haven't heard in a long. We that's start doing one a of segment. our things. Let's start. Keep, let's start keeping a list, and we're gonna have these little buttons that we insert. That's what we're gonna do. <laughs> you know, we're we're, we're an evolving podcast on the fly here, so hopefully you start hearing these, or it's just an empty promise. We would. You never know, I've do always that. wanted to make us an intro. Find a song that best embodies Pat's interference. Go back, find some highlight clips. You know, obviously, obviously highlights for me of Pat's interference so far. I think number one that I would definitely put in our intro is when I said that I was checking the Bama score at your wedding and you chuckled and said, yeah, me too. <laughs> that did happen. We have to have Kittle meowing in the background. Yeah, somewhere. no, that's perfect. That's perfect. Yeah, that's brilliant. It's brilliant. Got to have my email ding going off in the middle. I mean... Obviously, that wasn't in the podcast tonight, but for those of you listening, just so you know, this had, is live. We were two seconds into the podcast. May, not even. I had just hit record, and my email dinged. It's, it's 11 at night. Who is emailing me? All right. Let's wrap this up, Rick. Do you have a sound off this week? It's going down. Meet me in the club. I love It's that going down. <laughs> Meet me at the mall. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, my sound off this week is the Mr. Clean Magic Eraser. I know that sounds weird. I so this is gonna go in a really weird. No, direction. Those, that is a life changing product. I had a uh, a burger from Freddy's. Have you ever heard of Freddy's? I've heard of it. I've never it's, had it. It's like a burger and custard place. When you come visit High Point, we'll we'll go. Okay, I had a gift card, went there, and I had their fry sauce on my fingers, and I didn't realize it, and so I got up to go get a napkin before I got it all over my shirt, and I tripped and I put my hand on the wall. And just ran fry sauce down half of my wall. Like, I, it was all over the place. I was like, what am I going to do? This is ridiculous. The, lo- the lovely Jade Stoner was about to come over and watch her first Alabama game. I'm freaking out. I'm like, this is great. Now my apartment looks like a mess. It looks like I've. She's going to leave me because there's something on the wall. I, I've just murdered something pink and it's just run down the wall. It's actually fry sauce from Freddy's. It smells delicious. I, I look at my cabinet. I've got one. Mr. Clean Magic Eraser, and I'm like, all right. Admit buddy. that you licked at least a little bit of it up. I, I, you know, I, I won't. Tongue on the wall. I did not. Here's why. <laughs> not because I'm too proud, or I'm like, oh, that's disgusting. Only a sad. Did you at least so. dip a chicken finger? Or no, 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 no. no. I, I looked at it and I was like, you could, because you get some fries left over. You know the fries that fall out in the bag after, like they they they're like throw them in the bag with just just so much haste that the all these fries fry. just spill out. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little bonus fry. So I had a couple of those. I was like, hey, you know, you can take care of that. It's the only fry sauce I had left. And then I was like, no, because with my luck, this is lead paint, and I'll get lead poisoning, and there's no way to explain that to anybody. <laughs> so that's – I'm dead serious. That's what went through my head. All so right, then, so the magic eraser. Get the magic eraser. I dampen it a little bit, all right? I go one swipe left, one swipe right, like Mr. Miyagi right wax on wax off it's gone right like it never happened incredible incredible i want to buy an army of those things and just go around my dog clean my dog with it i i, I want to walk around and clean my laptop screen off with it I clean my car with it i think it's a brilliant product i don't know what they put in it magic it's it's rubber and it's styrofoam and then it's magic they don't sponsor this podcast, by the way. They should at this point, but no, they don't. No, they should definitely be paying us royalties. But with how good of a product it is, 
I would pay them royalties so we can mention. Oh, I'm with you. Remember the remember the picture I sent you a couple months ago? I had a pair of Nikes that were just brown, Oof. brown, brown. They were black and white Nikes. They were the white part was all brown. I went. I got a magic eraser. I made them look like the first day I bought them. Yeah, brand spanking new. It was crazy. It was great. great it's because product. I was mulching that day, and there was brown mulch and dirt all over it. And sure. Anyway, um, okay. I guess my my sound off is. I feel like this is kind of what you are too. This is a thank you. This oh. is a thank you to. I think you're one of these guys, the guy or girl. That always has mints or gum on them. Oh, of course. You I think know you're one that of those guys. Me. Yes. You know that about me. I always have gum in my pocket. I am not a self-conscious person. I'm so self-conscious about my smell, it's not even funny. If I if I sniff BO. Brick, I'm with student athletes all day. I smell BO probably twice a day. I check to make sure it's not me every single time. It terrifies <laughs> me to my core. If I eat onions well, I'm thinking or garlic, you. I'm thinking I'm thinking I, I, smell I conscious men like you because Thank I you. never have gum, I never have chapstick, I never have these little things that I always want, and I eat stanky food. You know me. Yeah. I don't eat the healthiest food. Look, I you're love a, to pick you're up. An, a, you're a onions on the burger type of guy, Brick. I like I I like to eat Fritos. I like sure. to sprinkle things with Fritos. Well, you know Frito breath. Yeah, it's awful. I always eat the stinkiest food, and I'm always asking people to have mints or gum. And I've been doing this for 15 years. Yeah, you have. Okay, maybe not since I was nine, but I I have known you I've been doing it for a long time. I have known you for five years. You have done it for five years, at least. I'm always asking people have gum. I'm always asking people have mints, and there's always the guys that are like, "Yeah, I got you. Yeah, it's here. I, I have it in a holster. Why here, would I it's not? It's in my holster because if my breath smells and I get in a situation where someone is close enough to me to smell it, and that's their parting, they're like, "Yeah, he's great. He's really nice. Didn't smell good. That's that terrifies me to my core." Well, I just go on stinking until I find a guy like you. So my sound off is just a thank. Thank all the guys and girls that have the mint and gum on them at all times. Of course. Absolutely. So thank you. Of course. I keep an extra pack in my desk and an extra pack in my car just in case. Well, I applaud you. That's going to do it for this episode of Pat's Interference. We just uh, finished up episode seven here. Uh, Social media sign-offs. You can find us on Facebook at Pat's Interference uh, with apostrophe S interference. PI underscore podcast for the Twitterverse. Um we uh, we enjoy uh, the fact that you can listen to us on iTunes and Google Play and sure. uh, and and um, uh, Stitcher and and uh, and and all that. Uh, the easiest way to actually listen to our podcast is to go to patsinterference.com. It auto plays on the SoundCloud app. You get to watch the new website with all its new little features and kicks and beautiful highlights. Um, beautiful. If highlights. you uh, if you like what you listen to, if you hate what you listen to, if you have things you want to say you can rate us on itunes or you can send us an email at patsinterference at gmail.com yeah please give us that cover well too please please give us that itunes rating because that's how we really grow as a podcast and all that we couldn't do this without you we've always wanted to do it uh you know we love doing this podcast i know it's not ideal to wake up on a saturday and you've got a new episode to listen to and it's an hour long but uh hey we actually we were gonna aim for we were really gonna aim for 30 minutes today but we had to talk about gum and we we had to talk about how much Norwood hates Tennessee. And rice. And how much he loves rice. Rice and UTEP. Watch it. This has been Pat's Interference. Thank you so much for listening. And most of all, Brick, roll tide. Roll tide.